reading out for blood <laughs> shut-ins <laughs> books for shut-ins chapter for sh- one chapter she one. was alone in her room forever <laughs> forever never coming out hmm so um you how just did you, you find just out about this book how did i find out about it um yeah. It's uh, uh, I think I talked about this a little bit last time. Uh, I found out about it because it was chosen for republication, a reprinting by my esteemed uh, 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 Valancourt Books, um, and uh, because it was your esteemed for... Valancourt Books. Yes, because I esteem it. I think that oh. I think that publisher is really cool. I I am jealous of them and the work that they do. I wish I could be involved. Um, but uh, uh, so here's here's the, my involvement. I, I read their books and talk about them. You know, yay. He was uh, very excited about um, this getting republished because he has a web his own web page because he still yeah alive. he does yeah oh he is yeah he, yeah he's he um, very excited yeah and that's and, you know good for him um, uh, you know he's uh, not the he's not an A list novelist we'll just say that um, but uh, uh, he's. He's, you know, he's making a go of it. He's published novels since this. Since this, um, I think he's I, written a lot, actually. Yeah, he's probably got, I don't know, maybe ten. Um, he doesn't do horror so much anymore. He does more like, um, like thrillers and things like that. But, uh, yeah. but this was his second novel. Um, published in 1991, um, and uh, Valancourt revived it um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one was that uh, Valancourt books. Uh, that's what they do is they revive um loved cultish old books of a couple of different genres originally they were doing gothic novels like really forgotten early late late seventh late 19th early 19th century gothic novels and then they branched out into later 19th century uh gothics you know the around the time of dracula and that sort of thing um and now they're doing uh books that were published within our very long lifetimes. So they're starting well, to read. This reprint. is already vintage. Yeah, it's already vintage. Just early nineties. So it's vintage. Um, um, but you know, this book was, is can be kind of hard to find. Um, and people have started to look for it because it was one of the first, um, pretty straightforward, unapologetically, uh, queer vampire novels. Yes. And that is one of the other genres that they publish. They publish, um, old, forgotten, except by people who follow these sort of things, um, uh, gay literature, um, which has a longer history than a lot of people recognize. Um, it wasn't just like the per- portrait of Dorian Gray and then uh, Tales of the City. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> there were there were things in between. <laughs> oh, so much! Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, uh, so th- and this book uh, ticks both of their both of those boxes. Uh, so they published it, republished it. So well, what did you think? Well, I started out really hating it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the last two hours I really liked. Really? Interesting. Well, so yeah, let's, I, let's, let's speak to both of those things. What what did you not like about it? Because I will agree with you on, on this, on this at to a, up to a point, I think. Well, it's, you know, it was hard for me to place my finger on it at first. I felt like it felt very um, amateurish because everything was being explained and nothing was being revealed. 
Um, I absolutely and, agree. So that's a good way of putting it then. I'm very unhappy with myself then. I got, <laughs> I got, it felt like, and I was really trying to wrap my, I don't know, wrap my head sounds a lot more dramatic than it was, but the, the way they have a vampire in this book, kind of it's the nuts and bolts of the vampire in this book, I found a little annoying. Mm-hmm. You can only bite somebody once if you bite them a second time. But then how do you know if you bit them? Well, there happens to be a little mark <laughs> that only, I mean, it got, it, that felt just so, I don't know what the word is. It just felt too much. It, too contrived. Too, too contrived. Um, like you had to yeah. explain every twist and corner. <laughs> and it's like, well, why, why are you contorting so much um, around this? What's it's, the point of it's it's to create it was and it was like to create some urgency that you could have made the vampire any way you wanted to, but you had to do it this way. Yeah, it's funny, um, which I found annoying. I, I found that for the for the same reasons that you found that annoying. I actually didn't find that particular bit annoying um i thought it was actually was kind of clever that you they explain why they always bite him in the neck because that way you can always check for the marks um that was like a sort of a tattoo like you know don't bite this person again unless you want to deal with it um uh but the other things i found annoying was why if you're going to um mess with uh, some of the the um uh, the mythology the mythology why did you keep the invisible in the mirror part it just really didn't add anything to the to the story for me. Um. You, you know what it reminded me of is, did you ever see um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town when you were a kid? Yeah, with the Winter and, Warlock. Oh, no, that's um, that's that's uh, the year without a Santa Claus, I think. No, no. Anyhow, uh, it's the one, yeah, anyway. it's yeah. the one where, oh, they'll go, that's why we put stockings on the fireplace yes that's oh the... that's why he has a bag a big bag oh and that's what it that's what that's the called. one oh that's why they bite him on the <laughs> neck and not on the butt or that's why vampires uh right i just found that annoying <laughs> for some reason it was but they don't explain the invisible in the mirror thing that's why he, you have a soul you don't have a soul. He doesn't have a soul. <laughs> you can't see your own reflection because you don't have a soul. Oh, fine. Well, then why why could uh, um, why could uh, what's his name uh, Statler see himself because his soul was supposedly gone too now. His soul. Wasn't anyway. Gone. <laughs> anyway. So what so, do you think? Uh, so do you want to just should we run through the uh, the plot just a teeny bit? Yeah, let me uh, let me uh, let me run it down quick. Um, so uh, our main character is Chris, who is a, a early twenty-something uh, gay man living in Chicago. With he leukemia. is dying of he's dying of leukemia, pointedly not AIDS, um, leukemia, um, and uh, he is uh, uh, for some reason contacted and converted into a vampire by um, uh, this young vampire named Beth. Um, you find out soon after this that he, the reason that she does this is because she wants to send him up to Madison where her mentor, um, Temzik, is uh, uh, apparently uh, trying, to ki- yeah, trying to kill himself after his, his partner, Laura, has, di- Laura. Has, yeah. Laura has, yeah, has been destroyed. So uh, she creates him. Gives him some basic training, uh, sends him up to Madison. Statler, to be mentored. Yeah, to be mentored. Statler, as a yeah, mentored as a vampire. Statler reluctantly takes him under his wing, so to speak. Statler's uh, on the brink of death when yes, they, when Chris yeah, finds him. Yeah, Statler. Yeah, he's he's almost he has stopped feeding, he's so desiccated. he's almost gone. Yeah, and he, uh, Temzik. Uh, uh, rejuvenates himself because he's got a, he's got a ward now and uh, teaches him some ropes um, Chris uh, 
learns a little bit more about the vampire life, uh, learns how to feed more safely. And then, then he finds um, out about the vampire hunter. Yes, and he finds out about the vampire hunter, uh, Temzik's nemesis, who the person who killed his partner, Laura, is this guy named Statler. And many um, other vampires. Yeah, he's killed many. And you learn that Statler has been killing vampires because Statler has been bathing himself in vampire blood, which isn't really which blood. Is it's called Croba. It's sort of a yeah. It looks sort of like um, rosé wine, like really um, thick rosé wine. Oh, I was thinking it looked like pinworm medicine, or like <laughs> pinworm medicine. <laughs> we'll we'll go with pinworm medicine. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, some hijinks ensue, and uh, as part of, uh, under his uh, Temzik's tutelage, uh, one night um, Chris goes out and uh, accidentally bites for a second time another uh, a, a, a lover who uh, he didn't recognize had already been bitten once. Um, that's a no-no. Uh, this young because man. Because here's, like, here's how it, here's how it works. Yeah, you get bitten once, you're fine. You get two little marks. Apparently, there's a, a, a glow or something that only vampires can see, and then you're off limits. To get bitten yeah. a second time, you have to either be killed or be converted because you start to go crazy uh, with vampiric rage and hunger. Yeah, yeah, so they float this. Kill, they... So then you have to be turned the third time or you're yeah. dead. Yeah, they, they float this theory that um, a lot of serial killers out there in the world were people uh, are people that had accidentally been built, bitten a second time by vampires and so they go into this murderous rage. Yes. Um, yeah, so um, to solve that pro that problem, they uh, they uh, bite Sheridan a third time um, and put him through the, tr the transformation ritual which involves draining him most of the almost all the way then forcing him to drink some of the croba the vampire blood drink and the croba child drink the croba <laughs> the croba and then burying him and then when he when they unbury him again uh, he's a vampire um, and that's and this particular incident was what takes us into the denouement the last act of the story which is uh, they go to unbury um, to dig up uh, 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 Sheridan, Sheridan and uh, they discover his body's gone and they know bah, that bah, that bah. is be that is because Statler has been watching them and has ta has taken him for his his harvest um, so they try to find him uh, Chris goes back to uh, to uh, Temzik's house uh, apartment building and discovers that Temzik has indeed, Succeeded in, ki in killing himself. He's so Chris a decides to go. Pile of ashes in an emerald ring. Yes, and he decides to go to uh, hunt um, Statler himself. Uh, he does but a couple things. But the hunter things. gets hunted. <laughs> of course, he gets caught and uh, is chained. Stripped in. naked. <laughs> They're all naked. Yeah. So he finds himself uh, in a room with a bunch of other vampires, all of whom he knows from Chicago, um, and. Uh, is they're being drained of their croba and then forced to feed off of uh, humans so that they can replenish themselves. And so their bellies create. are so distended they can't drink anymore. I know. <laughs> and Chris gets big... gas, by the way. He says he gets gas. <laughs> he gets gas. Nice. Um, and the big, the big finale is that, of course, Temzik has faked his own death. He's um, not dead. He comes in. Kill Statler and all this. Because he has a gun. <laughs> it's a, that's right. Makes, makes a big deal about it. So like people think people think that vampires don't know how to use guns. <laughs> we know how to use guns. <laughs> um, so he and walls up a, Statler in inside of a, he bricks up a wall and yeah, Casco Amontillado style, and uh, and then becomes uh, Chris's lover. Becomes Chris's lover. We forget. Um, we also end. add that he's he's aged. He's become a young vampire again. He's sexy. Yeah. yeah, he can be. He can he can control his age by how much he feeds. Basically, that's how vampires do it. Apparently, so that is the story. That's um, the story in a nutshell. Yeah. So the other things that annoyed me about it. Oh. Uh, yes, there's there's over over explanation. Over explanation. Um, yeah, a lot of that. Let me lots explain about this over explanation a little bit more. <laughs> Actually, explanation. Why do, why do is, authors do that, do you think? Well, it's. it's it could to be me, a couple it feels of different amateurish. things. It feels a little amateurish, but 
I'm going to give I'm going to give John uh, John Peyton Cook the benefit of the doubt um, and say that he may have been uh, because he was a young author. Um, I'm sure his editor, you know, worked on this novel a lot. And whenever there was, you know, editors edit with a way in a, such a way as to target a book to a specific audience. So they didn't want this book to be hard to understand at all. All. The gays don't read about vampires. They need to be taught. <laughs> well, which is ridiculous because they really, really do read about vampires. Right. Vampires are pretty sexy. <laughs> so we are going to teach the gays how a vampire works. Number one. So, so I could just I could just see in the uh, in the line out of this manuscript, you know, uh, explain what you mean here, or repeat what you said earlier here, or. Let's flesh this out some more here. I know um, how many times did we have to hear they can drink and get drunk, but not for long. Yeah, like, exactly. It got repeated. And that a seemed to be times. <laughs> yeah, it seemed to me, depending upon the editor, the editor working on it. Isn't this funny? I'm sitting here talking about, I'm bitching about his editor instead of about the author, um, which is not what reviewers usually do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just speculating. I'm just speculating. I'm just speculating. Um, uh, I think it's because uh, I am favorably favorably disposed to this author, and we'll get to that. We'll get to the reasons about that in a little bit. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that that was just um, over editorial interference, and leave it at that. I also um, think part of it might have been about the character Chris being so like wide eyed. And bushy-tailed about being a vampire and not... Yeah. So we're, I mean, like, being tutored along with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, not even just being a vampire, just being an adult. He's, what, 22, 23? Yeah, you forget that. Yeah, he's really, really, he's really young. Um, um, so he's... And he hasn't had a chance to be a normal adult before he is struck down with a pretty serious blood cancer. Um yeah. Um, I mean, at the beginning of the book, he is he is expecting to live another five years. He might make it to twenty seven. Um, hell, Hank Williams made it to twenty nine. So, anyway, what did we like about the book? You go first. So, what changed your mind? What what flipped the switch for you? Well, can I say one more thing I didn't like about the book? Oh, totally. Uh, before we do that, and then I will do that for sure. Part okay. I listened to this book. And I found the narrator mm -hmm. awful. His English accent was so distracting. The, the way he said some words. It was, was like, I know. I know. I had, it took me a lot because Tenzin is supposed to be Russian. But yeah. now, but for some reason, he has an English accent. Yes. Which he really should have a French accent because when he was alive, French was the big deal in, yeah. in up the Russian upper echelons. So he yep. should have had a French accent, but he had this this hokey damn English accent that <laughs> was so it wasn't, annoying. It wasn't it wasn't great. I think I I I listened to a lot of audiobooks and this this narrator was he was fine. Um he did mispronounce certain things. Um, oh yeah. Which which was uh which would I was just like really like where's your producer doesn't your producer know that didn't didn't she correct that for I you I wish I could remember the word because there was one word it's like that is not how you say that word <laughs> there's At yeah all. there's there were there were there were several I was like oof I mean, if, so is are you like me when you hear somebody pronounce a word that is not how you pronounce it do you think well how do I know that I'm pronouncing it correctly never. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it never happens. It was just no, for It was distracting. Yeah, for for years, um, I uh, I mispronounced the word facade as facade. No, oh. until somebody corrected me, had the decency to correct me, and you know, set me on right. Me, like, um, thank God. But you should never, should never make somebody feel bad about mispronouncing a word. No. Because they're using the word, that means that they read a lot. They just haven't heard anybody say it. Correct. However, like not when you're we're acting out of a book, <laughs> should be saying, work well, on your exactly. English accent, dude. Or anyhow, yeah, yeah I'm anyhow. ready to get off of that. So <laughs> I was 
super, super annoyed and kind of bored with it. But the part that shifted for me, and I had to like really look back past the accent, was that whole second half, which was really Tenzin's autobiography. Yes. And that story is the story within the story. And that yeah. was interesting. And by the time you get through that, then the pace just picked up. Yeah, and, and then it was yeah the over. two yeah the two plots, the two plots actually sewed together really nicely. Then after that, and yeah, and the ending of the book was quite pretty exciting and quite satisfying. Um, yeah, I mean the you know strangely this this guy who's been uh, trailing this vampire for decades almost yeah almost two hundred years was like easily taken down in that last fourteen minutes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, easily. <laughs> well, he had to successfully fake Tenzin had to Tenzin uh, had to successfully uh, fake his death, and he so finally it was really did. like one of those. It was really like one of those parlor mysteries where you it was all explained in the end. I was there was in a secret apartment, and I knew I was being uh, trailed and eavesdropped upon. And but uh, yeah, that was um, I found that whole part. From the part where the autobiography started to the end, very satisfying. Yeah. And actually, the ending before Tenzin gets in there to kill everybody was kind of scary. <laughs> like it was to chop off your foot and yeah. Beth getting put into a um, into the the sun. Uh, the, yeah, the sun a tanning bedroom. And hearing her scream and um, yeah, she dies. It's just it was yeah, she's just a pile of ashes. It was gruesome. It was and, pretty gruesome. And I kind of like fast forwarded it to it because it was kind of giving me the heebie-jeebies. Wow. So, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a real reaction. Because yeah, um, it was uh, torture stuff and torture stuff always yeah, freaks not me good. out. So, not good. Yeah. yeah. One of the things um, that annoyed me at the very end, and uh, I, I don't, I, this is just my reaction. I don't know if I have any leg to stand on here, is uh, Chris and uh, Temzik... Uh, becoming lovers at the end so did not work for me. No, at all. I at love all. you, Tamsin. Please call me Valor. Valor, <laughs> did you have a coffin that's built for two? <laughs> the coffin at, built for two. We'll look in the I've coffin got... catalog and take a look. Wah wah. <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow. Yeah. So um, yeah, that just came reason... on way too. Yeah, and it the came reason out of nowhere and. And the reason I didn't didn't like it is that like like really good vampire mythologies like for instance um, Anne Rice for, for whatever reason uh, whether whatever her faults are one of her strengths is that she uh, understands and explains in a way that you can she explains in a way that you can understand that vampire has vampires vampires have a morality and a way of like connecting with each other. That has nothing to do with humanity. So well, these vampires that, were not like that. These vampires were very human. These vampires were very human. I mean, Chris's um, personality did not change. He wasn't yeah. evil. He wasn't. He was just himself, but now he was a vampire. Yeah. So I mean, at the very end, it's like one of those. Um, uh, uh, Temzik is like that that older man who finds a young young man. Um, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit some of the, some of that Nambla shit. Well, um, no, because he's twenty, he's twenty two or whatever. Yeah, but it's not like but, he's a child. Yeah, but Temzik is a hundred hundred ninety. But he looks like a hot twenty two. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't have any leg to stand on. I I am I I I do I cannot pass judgment on this, and I will not. Um, but it did not work for me. Um, I uh, thought it was okay. I just thought it was kind of tech. It kind of came out of nowhere. It kind of came out when, of nowhere. When he too. said, also... Tamsin, I love you. Chris, I love you too. But call me Valor. Valor. That's where I was like. Yeah. No, but not that Valor. It was uh, Vasili. Vasili. Whatever. <laughs> Vasili. I like Valor. Valor um, is way, is, is way well, more soft. I love you. Just like, what? They, they've known each other for two weeks and half the time. <laughs> He's been a bastard. What the? Yeah. Where is this coming from? 
everything uh, happens so quickly in the vampirific gay world. They're like, they're more like lesbians than vampires. I know. Let's move in together already. Let's open a checking account, joint checking account. <laughs> so, so let me. Whoa, uh, you do so, that on the third date, not the second date. <laughs> so, so the reason. The thing that the, the, the switch that flipped for me that when I started to love this book is very particular to my experience um, is when uh, Chris is shipped up to Madison, Wisconsin. Yes, um, I knew you were going to this was going to happen for you. Yeah. And and uh, it was <laughs> it, so uh, this book was published in 91. So it was, it was probably being written in the late 80s, 87 to 89 or something like that. That was when I was in Madison as a student, and I very much appreciated the uh, the portrayal of a downtown Madison, the isthmus uh, between the university and the, the state capitol. Um, and when uh, he started describing various buildings, um, for instance, the building where uh, where Temzik lives, I know yeah. exactly which building that is. Oh, is it a cool building? It's a really cool building. I'll shoot you. I'll shoot you a picture of it. But it's on Gilman Street, as uh, as you're coming from uh, the uh, east side of uh, the uh, isthmus, and it is an. He says it's an Art Deco building, four story building, and I was like, I know that building. I've drew, mm. drove past it every time I drove into the city, um, mm. and sure, sure enough, that's exactly where he described it. Um, and then he describes, uh, uh, there's a, a memorable scene at a place called Paul's Club, which uh, yeah. uh, is famous for having a, uh, a tree in the middle of it. It's yeah. a real tree with, um, with sort of leaves. leaves on it that, they're not, they're real leaves, but they've been sort of shellacked and treated. Um, and they, they change them every other year. But every detail, like he, he described all the famous things about Paul's Club, which is that the bartender sings New York, New York. Anytime anybody puts it on the new, on the jukebox, he'll grab a microphone that he keeps behind the bar and sing along. And that there was a, bar, a drink on the on the menu called uh, the the uh, the fireman uh, that had super secret ingredients that only one or two bartenders could know at a time. Um, I've had the fireman, and it's not a good drink, and that is not the drink we will be having this afternoon, as you already know. Um, <laughs> As I am drinking it now, but he also described other things like the the gay bar, the new bar. Um, I actually never went to the new bar, not being a gay guy. But the new bar was in, in this complex of a whole bunch of bars, um, and right right near it was the Club de Wash, which was a bar that I would go to all the time. It was like one of the main clubs in Madison, where I would see fantastic bands. Um, and that whole complex burned down probably four years after this book was published. And none of those bars are there anymore. Um, wow. Is the tree bar still there? Tree bar is still there. The Paul's Club is still there. Um, he talks about going to the bar Jocko's Rocket Ship, <laughs> which is a real bar. And it was a, it was a shithole. <laughs> he must have gone but, to school there, don't you think? I, he either went to school there, and I tried to. I looked up, looked him up, and he doesn't really talk about being in Madison except in his books. Um, and uh, but when you look up his um, LinkedIn page, he worked as a police stenographer or transcription uh, typist for the Madison Police Department in the early nineties. So he, so he was definitely he lived there. He was definitely yeah. living there. He may not have. He may or may not have gone to school there. He certainly, he certainly knew about the school. Um, so when he there's a scene in the book where he goes and visits a medical lab, um, on the uh, on the the medical part of the campus, um, out on the west side, and uh, his his descriptions are accurate. Um, so it was uh, it was very personally very nostalgic to, to read about this vampire novel in landscapes that I remember very well and landscapes that to a certain degree are not there anymore hmm. yeah I mean I lived right in that neighborhood I walked past those buildings all the time um, so well, that, that was uh, actually you saying this helps me understand something else that kind of drove me nuts about the book oh no Yes, I will tell oh, you no. even. 
So, because you said, when you said something about Anne Rice, uh-huh. I thought, so in, not so much in the interview with the vampire, but a little bit there, but in the next book, Lestat. Uh, vampire Lestat. So the character is really, really, really struggling with the nature of who he is mm-hmm. and what it means to be a vampire and what does that mean about life and your soul and God and all these things. And this guy <laughs> is just so, oh, I guess I, I didn't think I really cared that I had a soul, but maybe I did lose head of a soul and now I lost it. I should have thought more about that. It was basically, <laughs> it was just like, oh, well. I, I had a soul, but well, I maybe don't have one now. Hmm. Okay. I, 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 it was so like it was not a lot was, of depth, you know. Yeah, there was there was these. He it would it would he would pick up these metaphysical like nuggets and sort of turn them over in his hand. And he's like, "That's pretty," and just let them drop. Right. Exactly. He was very. He was very. It was really a gay romp. Is really all this was. It, it kind of. It kind of was. So it tried to. Um, it, it gave. It gave hints at things that would have had more depth. But he just. The 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 um, author just couldn't get the character to go there. Um, maybe yeah. because he was twenty two, but he was really sort of a, not a very smart guy and kind of a. Yeah, he's he hadn't had any experience yet. No, he hadn't even had like yeah. I mean, life experience he's, he's, even. Yeah, he's very he's very um, comfortable. Uh, he, he's not like com- conflicted about being gay. Uh, I mean, even though he's like or even he's been being thrown, a vampire, or even, or even being, being a, vampire. a vampire. I mean, there's a couple of times, but even his oh, I had to kill that guy. Well, and then Temzik is like, well, you have to survive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he, he does. Ex- oh, I'm not sad anymore. I feel good now. He, he does explain that away a little bit when he says that um, he thinks, suspects that um, if he by becoming a vampire, he's lost his soul. That his moral compass has shifted. Um, and so he says, "Oh, this must be what I'm like now." Um, but and even that's then, okay. it's still. But it's still. It's still like, oh, I guess I'm like this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well. Pretty much. Oh well. Oh well. Yeah, he's not he's not full of self-loathing like Louis in the first uh No, and not very self-reflective. There's moments. No. So there's some moments, but they, they don't so, last long. So as I was reading this, and I don't know what the answer is, I'm just gonna toss it at you. Maybe you don't even want to talk about it. Um to what degree is vampirism and becoming a vampire like coming out? You have a, a great opportunity for self-reflection when you come out of being kind of in denial with yourself. When you go from being in denial of mm-hmm. yourself and then coming to understand like, oh, this is who I am. So this, there's, there's a tremendous moment of self-revelation, uh-huh. which could open the doors to a lot of self-reflection and a, deep, a deepening of who you are. Okay. The possibility is there. Yeah. By the act by the act of having to come out to yourself first and foremost. Breaking coming out through that process, coming out of that, mm-hmm. that coffin that you're in. Yeah. Right? And then coming alive to yourself. Huge opportunity for growth. But but people don't always take advantage of that. They become like Chris. So they could really grow and learn and because that act of coming going from denial to not denial takes a huge amount of something inside of a yeah. person a, a, a bunch of chutzpah that makes sense and uh you, you're breaking well you know a lot of people don't get get that opportunity in their life unless something tragic happens where they have to like break through a way of thinking about themselves into another way of thinking about themselves. Hmm. So that's an opportunity for growth there. But Chris doesn't really take it. Well, he doesn't, it doesn't. Lestat took it. Yeah. You know, Chris, Chris kind of a little bit, but it all kind of comes too easy for him. Even the struggles are a little easy and they don't last long. Like the book is only for for two the past two weeks. Well, it's a little bit longer than that. There's right? some elisions in there. 
He's only been there two yeah. weeks. Well, it's a little bit longer than that, but but yeah, but it's not long. No, he says. No, it isn't because he says at the end it's only been. He says in the end it's only been two weeks <laughs> that he's been up in Madison. Wow. Well, all right, all right then. Yeah. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and as one of the things, and maybe. It, well, it's not maybe. It, it has to have been a conscious choice on uh, the author's on the author's part to to just not deal with the whole coming out thing as a gay man um, in the book. Um, I mean, he talks about it like he came. Yeah, because he was. Yeah, already he was out. Old. He came out to his parents. His parents fucking disowned him, and he's just done with them. He just—they're not even a thought in his mind anymore. He mentions them a couple of times, three or four or five times in the entire book, simply as, this is my past, which is dead. Um, and everything I have now is just the yep. future. So. And even that he does so, <laughs> he does so like, okay, well, my parents, yeah. I'm done with them. I'm ready. Okay, let's yeah. move on. He's very, and so I'm trying he, he's one who really sails his ship on the yeah. top of the waves. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think how old this author was when this book was published. I'm guessing in '91, he was around, let's say, 27. Does that sound about right? Um, we could look. We could look it up. Yeah, sure. 27. Um, Sure. I, and so when he's writing this book, he is a, a man in his 20s. He's roughly Chris's age, maybe a little older. Um, and he's, yes. I don't think he's actually processed his action. His Because God knows when I was 27, I wasn't, I was not a 27-year-old yet. <laughs> yeah, because he's 50, he's 50. He's 53 right years now? old now. Is he really? John Peyton Cook. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was much younger. He was So he was probably 20. He was probably literally 22 years old when yeah. this book came out. If he's 53 now, he would be... Yeah, yeah that's what the uh, Wikipedia... That's what the Amazon... Yeah, then he'd be, he would have been 22 says. when this book came out. Um, so this is a... Pretty well written book for a twenty two year old. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, for um, sure. But I don't think a twenty two year old. Uh, I don't think those uh, those. Um, well, in lieu of all of that, I think we should celebrate with a cocktail. Why? Yes, we should. To his twenty second birthday. Oh, what are well, we drinking? Let me tell you. <laughs> it's very. It's this would be really good on pancakes. Yes, indeed. So, so it's funny. So when we um when we usually uh uh when we come up with a cocktail for a book, we look for what people are drinking in the book, and especially if there's like a specific cocktail mentioned. So there is one mentioned in this book, the the, the firefighter uh, from Paul's Club. And I looked on the internet to see if anybody had any idea how this cocktail was made. Good for those bartenders. They have actually kept it a secret. There is not a fucking hint, except that it is a secret. That's all you will hear on the internet about the firefighter cocktail from Paul's oh. Club. Therefore, oh. we are going to have a cocktail that is the thing that people actually drink in this book, besides blood. And it's vampire blood, which, which is mm, the sweetest. Which of is all called the in this book what? Kroba, yes, Kroba. It's funny. So I looked up Kroba, what the because it's the Russian word for blood. Um, it's not. It's not pronounced oh, Kroba. It? It's called. It's pronounced Kroch, Krobsh, Krobsh, something like that. I I don't know. It was it, it was a computer pronouncing it for me, but um. But we're going to call it Kroba, and this is how you make Kroba. You take one shot of Calvados, which is uh, a um, Spanish apple brandy. 
but you you can actually find this in most liquor stores. Um, well, not most. If 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 buildings are higher than five stories in your town, you can find it in liquor stores. Um, so one shot of Calvados, one shot of vodka, a half shot of Kirsch, also known as Kirschwasser, sort of a cherry brandy, and then a and then a yeah, half yeah. shot of maple syrup. You shake that with ice and strain it into a shield cocktail glass, and then have that with herring, lots and lots of herring. Were you grossed out by all the talk of herring in the book? Uh, no, I wasn't, but I was thinking of you. I know, I had like some today. Herring. It was delicious. <laughs> you, you, I did really you really? Did. You can get a lot of cheap herring at Costco, let me say. <laughs> I stocked up on my last trip. <laughs> I believe it. That's where I, whenever I want cheap herring, Absolutely. That's where I go. So that's it. That's our cocktail, the Kroba. All right. Kroba. Chin chin. Chin chin. Goes down thick. All right. So, says, um, <laughs> there was that scene where uh, Tenzin makes all this delicious yes. food. <laughs> and. He's like, you shall never get ever eat that. And again, Chris is like, okay, I don't. Care. Yeah, I know. And well, it was all Russian food, and so uh, to my palate, it did not seem particularly delicious, except for some of the herring. And you know, I do actually like caviar when I've ever had it. Uh, I thought it sounded yeah, delicious. Well, yeah. I could, I could have gone, but you know, you could still drink and get drunk, and then get instantly sober. There's nothing. There's no downside to that, as far as I can say. No, they and they did go into a lot of explanation about why vampires can drink but yes. not eat. Lots of explanation. <laughs> Lots of explanation. All right. It went on for quite the bit. <laughs> so hey, so should we uh, should we head down to the basement? Um. Yeah, let's head down to the basement. Let's I'm bringing this crowbar with me. Me too. Don't spill. Right. Hey, Close look, enough. we're down in the basement again. <laughs> we're down in the basement again. <laughs> um, it seems like days since we've like headed uh, down these stairs, but but we're finally arrived. It's like House of Leaves uh, going on I here. I know. I mean, we had to camp out overnight, and then we had to um, scrounge for food. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, here we are in the basement. So, uh, what should we read? Um, I think we talked about it, but for the life of me, I can't remember at all what the book. Well, <laughs> well we're we gonna read. When we... um, what's his face that we already read two of his books, but then you said no. <laughs> yes, so we had a little discussion uh, that we were gonna read some more Thomas Dish. That's right. One of one of his four uh, his because we read two of his four horror novels, um, and and uh, then I threw out the idea that. But wait, I have another idea. Wait, there's more. And that is to read Stephen Graham Jones's no new novel, The Only Good Indians. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then that after... That um, good to me and to you. Yeah, it's, I think, I think it would be good. Um, but um, so let's do that. Yeah. So our next book is going to be uh, The Only Good Indians by uh, Stephen Graham Jones. But then, uh, since Stephen we're... Stephen Graham Jones. I got my Stephen <laughs> Graham Jones. I got my... All right. But then, but then next next time, let's let's consider doing the other two uh, Thomas Dish novels. All right. I think that'd be kind of fun. I'm writing a contract about it right now. All right. Exactly. Sign it in blood. All right. Should we get out of here? Yes, please. Good. Out of here we go. Hey, look. We're out of the basement. Again, and it well, didn't, that didn't take, take us three days. <laughs> Not nearly as long. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anything else about this book? Um, not that I can think of. <laughs> well, I have one more thing. All right. So, okay. So, uh, you remember when our, our hero, Chris, um, uh, picks up that guy. Um, uh, I'm spacing on his name. Uh, but um, uh, Sebastian. And, uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and they have a mighty tumble. And he accidentally bites him in the butt. Right. 
uh, not checking to see that he had already been bit. I was wondering, can you really draw enough blood from the butt? <laughs> well, we're going to have to conduct some research. <laughs> we'll get back to you next time. Right. <laughs> right. Anyway, so he, so he accidentally um, turns uh, this guy into um, uh, a vampire. You know, So then he and Temzin have to uh you know turn him all the way into a vampire lest he become a homicidal maniac well either kill him um, or turn it, him into a vampire that was yeah kill him or turn him into a vampire so you know hijinks ensue anyway do you remember the description about him that, that he had this half hawaiian half irish descent yeah i kind of i kind of do yeah <laughs> yeah so my brainwave was that um uh uh the the author um uh, john Peyton cook I'm guessing he had he had written his current crush into his novel, oh, and that current crush. That that, well, um, uh, partially Hawaiian, partially Irish, um, famous in the early '90s. I have no clue. Did he live in Madison? No, no, he lived uh, in Hollywood. Oh, um, oh, it's a Hollywood uh, guy. Yeah, he's a he's a movie star, big movie star. I have no idea. As big as he was back then, he's way bigger now. He is. Yeah. All right. Who is no it? No guesses. Um, Keanu Reeves. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I just, he's part Irish. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's half native Hawaiian, half, you know, you know, European something. He's a bigger star um, now as he was back then. Is he's he? bigger now than he was. Yeah. He's, well, he's bigger than Hollywood star. He's like internet famous now. Um, Oh yeah, because There's, he's so nice or whatever. Yeah, he's so nice, but he's also John Wick. He's um, he's still um, he's still uh, uh, was it Theodore S. Logan from Bill and Ted? Is he Ted or Bill? I think he's Ted. He's Ted, yeah, yeah, and uh, um, and he's still Neo. He's got another Matrix movie coming out. Really? Yeah, he's huge. All Plus, right. um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's and he's also just a generally decent guy. Yeah, appear. that's the thing I. That's the thing I think he was known for, but I can't. I couldn't think of a movie that he made in the last ten years. But the John Wick movies? I've, I have no idea what those are. I've never seen them. Oh dear. Well, um, you know they're they're okay. They're they're hyper hyper um, hyper kinetic, very violent. He kills hundreds of people per movie. But he's a pretty nice guy. Because and why does he kill them? Because they killed his dog. His daughter. Dog. His dog. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's justified. Yeah. Really. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You well, might. Well, you're it. right. I think you should write the author and see, like, find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, John Peyton Cook is living in in uh, London these days. Um, uh, maybe I. I don't know. Maybe we should. We should. I should. We'll shoot him. A, we'll shoot him an email. We haven't written an author in a long time. No. I, I'm. That. Yeah. No, we haven't. Yeah, not since um, uh, not since uh, oh, what's his name? Cotton. Um, Cotton. Yeah, J- uh, F. G. Cotton. Yeah. Um, and before that, Melanie Tam. Yep. May she rest in peace. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyway. Drop him a line. So yeah, I that think was... this podcast sounds favorable to his. Uh, if we did a favorable uh, uh, reading yeah. of his book, then maybe write it. <laughs> maybe write it. Yeah. Well, thing. actually, here's 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 what we can do. Um, uh, if 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 uh, if if. Uh, John Peyton Cook is uh, searching, uh, narcissurfing, uh, Googling his name. His He will come up. This will show up if he set up a Google alert for his own name. Oh, okay. Um, and he can listen to us. And so we're going to ask him. John Peyton Cook, we're asking you, is, um, uh, I wish Sebastian. I could remember his name. I, it's, it's Sebastian. We'll say Sebastian. Um, it's I don't think it is. Anyway, uh, if he was modeled uh, partially on uh, Keanu Reeves. All right. Um, maybe we'll so, find out. Maybe. maybe we'll get a cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> either one, either one is possible. Um, so, all right. Anything uh, else? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, that's pretty much it. I got nothing. Um, yeah, so, what should we uh, do with this uh, sucker? Well, I have an idea. All right. So, I rented this little flat downtown <laughs> in Madison. <laughs> in Madison. So, I say we, I say we send it to this to this apartment. Uh-huh. And uh, and every couple of days we just send it a new pizza right. boy, a Domino seven ninety nine. Yeah, seven ninety nine special. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All, right. All right. Bye. All right. Bye bye. 
But the... 